Hello there and welcome to the hosts of Westworld, a fan critical podcast. Tonight we will be discussing episode 7 titled Les Escorches, I guess, or just Les Escorches. Yeah. Um, yeah, does that I, sound I, about right? I would have thought it was a bit more French, but I'm not Les 100%. Escorches. Yeah, well there you go. Uh, and we're going to be giving our thoughts on this episode before handing the reins to Len with his really, really and some that have been uh, thoroughly debunked in this episode. So debunked that'll be an interesting uh, interesting conversation. Tonight we are back to full strength. I have already introduced you, Len, but I'll reintroduce you. Lenny. Oh, hiya. Hi, mate. Emma. Hello. Lucy. Hiya. And our little trainee samurai buddy in Australia, it's Gaz. You're Yeah. <laughs> that'll be every week. Okay, so uh, I guess let's get initial... Thoughts and blueberry scores. Uh, Lucy, as you were missing last week, I will start with you. So, thoughts on the episode and give us a blueberry score and explain a blueberry score. Okay, so for regular listeners, you'll know what the blueberry score is, but if you don't, if you're not a regular listener and you don't know, welcome. Um, welcome. Stick around, gets better. Um, <laughs> the blueberry um, rating is out of five blueberries, and you cannot do half. No half blueberries. No half blueberries will be permitted within the blueberry scale. So that's how it works. So this episode, um, I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, quite a lot of expositional dialogue, which is helpful for a dum dum like me who struggles to follow. <laughs> um, moved the plot on quite well. Generally, I didn't hate it, which I have been kind of hating on Westworld recently. So yeah, enjoyed it more. I'm going to give it a four out of five. Okay, cool. Gaz. Over there in Australia, give us your uh, your recap and score. Yeah, I've got to agree with Lucy there. It, it was it was it was nice to have some of this plot um, moving along, it, and it did tick tick along quite nicely this episode. Um, some pretty major developments. It, it felt it felt a lot like we were closer to the end of the season than we are. Yeah, mm. yeah, it was a good one, much better than than last week's um, lull. And uh, absolutely amazing to have Ford back in our lives. Um, I'm giving it a four out of five blueberries as well. Cool. Um, Emma? I bloody love this episode. Yeah. Um, Echoing both what Gareth and Lucy have said, it moved the plot along, which I thought was great. We got some of my favourite characters in there. Bit of action, bit of, oh, scary emotion. Yeah, scary emotion. And pretty much every part of the storyline got discussed lots of things got answered or debunked as Len has mentioned um and after my atrocious rating of last week's episode accurate to my feelings um we're back on form and I'm also going to give it a four out of five blueberries cool do you know what I'm gonna go next I'll leave you till last Len that's fine mate you, you do what you need <coughs> to do you're uh, you know you're a hype man and um hype, hype. yeah so just to give some sort of uh background to to Len uh, he's the sort of person that will watch this episode eight times before I've had a chance to watch it once. And, uh, you know, obviously he doesn't want to spoil anything, but, you know, he, he messaged and immediately was like, Oh my God, this is great! I was like, can you shut up? God's sake. Um, so I guess uh, I know his score is probably going to be five out of five. But look, you know, spoiler warning. Um, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And... Um, 
very unusually for me, I'm going to buck the, the four out of five trend. For me, it's a five out of five episode. Like, there, there's one bit in particular that, uh, and we'll get onto it, uh, and it, it involves Beethoven, which uh, was just spectacular. So, yeah, five out of five for me, Len. Well, John, yeah, yeah, I did watch it a couple of times. I'm sorry I messaged the group with uh, my excitement. It got, it got the better of me. Uh, you know, I watched it very early in the morning in England. Yeah. Um, woke up especially to watch it before work. Um, <laughs> this this episode actually had an excellent amount of plot progression. Yeah. Um, something that the show has really missed the last couple of episodes. I feel like the the introduction of ford again just really transcends this this show to a whole new level um and it kind of makes you think god we actually have really missed the guy like mm-hmm. yeah when he's been in this epi- when just him in this episode was phenomenal his acting with bernard was excellent um the only criticism i have of this episode the only criticism is some of the writing is atrocious yeah mm. um and it, it's it's baffling because season one was so good, bar Sizemore, which they seem to have fixed this season to an extent. Yeah. And then just some of the actual plot holes and writing decisions of some of the human characters mm. in this show has got beyond the point of I'll let it go to this is actually fucking stupid now. <laughs> like some of the comments. However, in saying that, I absolutely love the episode because it's wall to wall action. Um, and just because of the plot progression and to have Ford back, I'm going to give it a five. I think it's up there as joint best episode of the season with Riddle of the Sphinx, which was the fourth Mm -hmm. installment of this season. Um, And I'm excited to talk through a lot of theories that, um, you know, ones that we got wrong because we've got a couple right, but there's a lot that we've got wrong. So um, I'm excited to talk to you about that, John. Don't lump us in there. Only only group us together when you get them right, please. Good point. Then we're okay with it. Fair play. So this week is uh, a relatively mental episode. Um, so obviously trying to break this into a uh, just following specific story threads rather than how the episode runs was difficult. Um, I've still done it that way because it's what I do. You know, it took me four hours doing notes. I was knackered at work today, but it's, you know, I do it for you guys. Yeah, we appreciate yeah? it, mate. Don't worry. Cheers. Thanks. And if any listeners could send me private messages. Um, <laughs> so anyway... Um, this week, uh, the episode is bookended uh, with the present timeline. Yes. Little bunny ears, present. Yeah. But there are three main stories to follow in the episode. So we have Bernard and Ford, uh, Dolores and her attack squad, and Maeve and the Mib. So the episode opens with Bernard looks confused. Stubbs doesn't trust Team Delos. Let's call for help. Stopped literally within seconds by Strand. Pathetic. This is a negotiation. We want a key. I reckon you killed Teresa. Bernard immediately looks nervous. <laughs> Play it cool, bro. <laughs> Hale calls out Stubbs. You knew you knew what the keys were worth. You're gonna sell it like that fat guy who worked in our other park. <laughs> Jurassic Park. Nedry. Dennis yeah, Nedry. Nedry. So, yeah, because that stick, is... stupid. It's the same place. Uh, you're a murderer. Fair enough. You're not management material. Whoa. Yeah? yeah. Gosh. Let's not get personal. Yeah. <laughs> um, hold on. Uh, there's a cupboard here. Doesn't look like anything to... Nah, n- not really. I can genuinely say it. <laughs> uh, I figured you'd have some skeletons in your closet, Bernard. I didn't think they'd be your own. Delicious line. How buzzing would you be, though? I would be absolutely buzzing if 
I found out there was a cupboard full of just me's. Yeah, they can all yeah. go to work for you. <laughs> Yay! But also, a lot of them are a bit battered, to be fair. I think the the fact that they opened with a cold open this episode is brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and this is the best cold open that they've done uh, so far, I think, in, in the whole series of Westworld. We knew multiple Bernards were coming because we had seen it in the trailers. Weird decision by them to release this in the promo material for the season. Yeah, I didn't like that. Especially when it comes to such a late reveal. Uh, obviously, it's not a spoiler to us because we we understand that Bernard is a host and we've known that since <laughs> episode seven of season one. Yeah. And so obviously, it, it's just a massive <coughs> reveal for the actual characters in the park. Um, I loved it. It was creepy. The way it was lit, the way it was sort of building up to that moment. I knew what was coming because of the trailers and stuff. Mm. But I thought I just absolutely loved it. And then it just cut to the Westworld titles, and I was like, "Yes, this is going to be a great episode." Yeah. At that moment, I knew they had struck. You'd already given it five out of five. Yeah, yeah. hype man. Yeah. (laughs) Didn't even watch the episode. That's when he texted us. (laughs) (laughs) What are you guys doing to him? Waterboarding. Um, he's acting there as like. Like, it was good. It was. I felt so sorry for him. Um, Bernard, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. he's in the chair and he's obviously just rocking back and forth. Serious method acting. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, and in, in my notes, I just wrote, "Give him a break and pr- uh, press the pleasure button." Um, oh. If you notice, there was a pleasure button on the uh, on the on the Ooh, tablet. Nice. Mm. nice little addition there. There wasn't, of course, there wasn't. Oh, um, <laughs> well, there should be. I'll show you my timeline Ooh. if you show me yours. So let's uh, let's discuss that kind of opening. Thought it was quite well juxtaposed how um, it opens with Bernard having a picture of his son. Like the first shot, I think, is is like a picture of his son yep. in his hand. And then you see, you actually see that there's just loads of Bernards and it's kind of like, oh, that's sad. It kind of set the tone of loads of shit's going to happen in this episode. There's no, like you say, a cold opening um, just means that there's got lots in store. So, yeah, it was a very good start to a very good episode. I guess like, it's, it's quite annoying that, I mean, you've already referenced the fact that they blew the um, the multiple Bernards or Bernards or Bernies or, or Bernardos or Bernitos um, or Barnyards. Um, it's a bit annoying that you knew that was going to happen. Uh, if it, it feels like that should have been a bigger moment, uh, we're going to crack on. So I'm going to cover... Now, normally I'll, I'll cover what I feel is the weakest story of the episode. Um, and I can't believe that I'm saying that a story with, with the Mib is, uh, is weakest, but... You know, and this it is. It's the one I cared least about. Um, although when you read my notes, you'll probably think, well, you definitely did care. Anyway, so Maeve and the Mib. Maeve and daughter head to the worst hiding place ever. Mib approaches in the most overly dramatic way ever. Imagine he was a postman. Terrifying. Hmm. Stay back. No. Awkward. Your rules have changed just like the rest of them. I'm nothing like the rest of them. Fuck! She winged him. Jesus, he got shot again. No, he's been shot again. These are my genuine thoughts, by the way. I'm not just lazy. Some host tries to rape Mib. Not today, partner. Give in, sweetheart. Lawrence, have a real think now. (laughs) Do you like Mib? Or has he killed you and your family on a number of occasions? (laughs) Hold on there. Uh, and then the Mib, uh, 
says, uh, hey, I saved you and your wife and your family and friends. And the village. Now that and the waiting. village this time. Why is he saying that? That line isn't worthy of the Mib. He would never, ever do that. That is silly. Uh, he's been shot again, the Mib. Um, this one in the chest. Looked like he was in the chest. Might have been in the gut. It's a bad shot. It's not like in an arm or leg. I was certain it was a chest shot. It is, right? It was just below, the, like, on the sternum, like, just below the arm. <laughs> And now we'll discuss where the shot was for the next hour. (laughs) Uh, So Sizemore turns up uh, and Sizemore's goons gun down everyone. Mm. Um, Ghost Nation steal the daughter. Yeah. Uh, This hasn't gone to plan. So this is excellent. All of this is excellent. Um, Ignore the silliness that's going on at at some points. This is a big payoff because of the way that Maeve remembers what Mib did to her in seat back all those years ago where he killed her daughter and that's a very important thing for the man in black as well because he said that was the moment when he saw Maeve crying after her daughter that he had just brutally shot uh that was the moment he believed that the hosts could become sentient Mm. so it's a very important callback this whole section um Mib getting shot at the amount of times that he has only further proves the fact he is a host, 110%. And in Theory Corner, we'll be running down every single piece of evidence to say that this version of the man in black is a host. There is no way a human, he got shot in every single yeah. limb and the chest, and yeah. he's still beaten. Stupid, Come on, man. Not. Now, we've all got to accept it. No. I know you're not liking it, John, but we'll no. run for it in Theory Corner. Um, the brutality of Maeve getting gunned down... Um, was beautifully shot and acted from Tandy Newton. Oh, um, you sicko! It, it was all—it was just an awesome scene. I know it's—it's it's horrible scene to watch, and I was genuinely gutted. Well. It's—it was so powerful. Yeah, um, and I loved it. Hmm. I really enjoyed Lawrence's moment of uh, like recognition of the fact that he's a complete mug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, there's no other way to say it. I mean, when Maeve was like, "Come on, have a think." Do you, you not? Is he not done bad things to you? Like yeah. merging your entire village and your wife yeah. and your child and you Ish. about fifty times. And, yeah. And was no one else amazed that we amazed. all we all amazed we all joke about Lawrence quite a lot in this podcast. Oh, bless Lawrence. I like, like him. Oh, yeah, I've always, always liked him, but we just think, oh, come on, Lawrence, mate, click on. You bloody hate Ch- him. Turn, turns out that he's actually sentient. Exactly. I th- that was pretty major. Like, um, as as you say, you think you think of him as bumbling, bumbling old Lawrence, but. He's um, he sort of accidentally stumbled upon sentience, maybe. Haven't we all? <laughs> no. <laughs> Some of us. But it is interesting because um, it, maybe it's not a conscious decision that you have to make to go. I'm going to become sentient now. Humanity is about suffering, and this is you know this whole thing about becoming sentient has been about retrieving your memories, and most of those memories, for the majority of the hosts, are about suffering. Yeah. And Lawrence seems to have sort of done this himself. Um, but that is like the tipping point, the final tipping point for him when, when Maeve is saying, you know, think about what he's done to you and he finally get, gets those memories in full. Yeah. I think he completes that arc. Yeah. Yeah. And now what a sad tragedy that Lawrence is probably dead forever. So, um, you know, we, we, you know, with the events that happened later in this episode, Lawrence getting gunned down potentially could be the end of him. So um, hey. it's, a shame. it's a shame. I mean, there is a lot of outs here, but I'm just saying be aware there are a lot of actual permanent deaths in this episode. Sizemore sticks Maeve in the boot, as you do. Um, Fucking serial killer. Mib's still alive. 
because mm. uh, he's host. amazing isn't it because he's definitely not a host so as he's still alive is the reason that these little buggy fellas have come along little buggy was fellas that, little buggy fellas um was that sizemore's doing is yes. that who yes. is that the backup that he called for yeah. yeah right okay so it's sizemore's fault that all of this has just just happened and um sizemore's fault that we've lost lawrence and um <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know whether that works out um as a positive and how weird is that that we're debating who would you rather have sizemore or lawrence uh, given how shit Sizemore was last season. Maeve is stuck on a stretcher. She's in a bad way. Sizemore runs off. Uh, Dolores and her death squad turn up. How did you get here? She says, uh, my daughter. Mm. Dolores says, uh, the kin they gave us was just another rope they used to lash us down. What have you done to Teddy? You're lost in the dark. Well, I'm not. Uh, now I'm going to kill you. Um, and then doesn't. I was a bit baffled there, um, and we'll leave it there for a discussion. So, why, Lucy, why is it that at that point, I mean, the line that she leaves her with is very much like, I can't leave you here because uh, they'll use you, your special abilities and power, your magic voodoo Wi-Fi. Mm. They're going to find out. So, obviously, I can't leave you here. And then just wanders off. I'm like, what is this? Well, she did say, um, she gave her the gun, looked like to me, and she basically says, you you still have a chance to choose your own ending. Like, you've all, that's what she always wanted. I think what she was trying to say is, you can kill yourself. A bit like Teddy giving the gun to the guy last week. It's mercy, in yeah. a way, from Dolores. And yeah. I don't think she just went, oh, I've been become distracted. I'm going to leave my <laughs> It was interesting how she said... Um, They'll like use your powers um, to stop us. And it's like, well, you don't have the same agenda at all. So it's not really in us. Mm. Um, she kind of co-opted her into that. But yeah, I, th- I believe that it was a show of, right, I'm giving you the decision. I'm not ever going to take your decision away from you by killing you. I'm going to leave you with that decision. Now, that for me raises some issues because that is not Dolores's way. Yeah, she doesn't exactly. give people a choice. So what the fuck Absolutely, is that about? Yeah. Bad writing. And this is where I'm going to come down to okay. some of the bad writing. Is I think, it ha- bad ha- writing though? I think, I think this is where... Well, there's two questions, I think. I think this is where they've been setting something up that's extremely, extremely interesting. And probably I think one of the most interesting parts of the season is this difference between Maeve and Dolores. T- two questions here. Dolores doesn't know about Maeve's Wi-Fi power. There's no way she can. She's never into, she's never come across it. No, I think so. People have been people have know, been texting. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean they've got like the a host WhatsApp that, yeah. group. It's all in the cloud. Yeah, I actually really en- I actually really enjoyed the acting between both of the actresses here, and I thought it was actually <laughs> Delor- one of Dolores's better scenes this season. I think she was mm. actually very good in this episode. I agree. Mm. Um, but I have questions about why has she- they flip flopped between Dolores being making these decisions, and then sort of we're nowhere near the end of the season yet, mm. and and she suddenly gone completely the other way yeah so so it's either um bad writing uh or it's May's foodie wi-fi yeah well uh, that would be would, ridiculous would be interesting i didn't hear the noises or the yeah. telltale well, no, signs but, that they use. You know. silent now the internet you'd have to wait for dial up just as we're talking about it now i'm, I'm sort of thinking um because I, I thought maybe it's just plot armor that's saving uh Maeve here but um but thinking about it dolores Dolores isn't just going around. Well, she is going around indiscriminately killing people. Right. But, so have a think about what you're about to say then. But with hosts, but with hosts, she 
always says, you know, like some of us deserve, don't deserve to make it or, um, you know, whatever, whatever her catchy line is. <laughs> that you've you, definitely not remembered. You yeah. don't deserve to make, some of us don't deserve to make it to the great beyond. Yeah. How can a man who does line of the week not remember every line? <laughs> Hold on, hold on. I do worst line of the week, so I'm focusing on the shit ones. I feel like killing her or letting her go isn't necessarily that much of a, a buck in the trend because she probably recognises that Maeve is a, like, whatever it is that she sees in, uh, in the hosts that deserve to go through. She sees that in her. At the same time, she could save her. She chooses to do nothing, and I don't think Dolores is making that choice. All right, well, look, I, I think we're probably in disagreement here um, about the quality of the writing of that scene, whether it was deliberate, uh, whether um, uh, it's in line with what Dolores was doing, and or maybe it'll make sense later on uh, along the line. For me, when I watched that, I was like, what is that? Like, have I missed something here? Not even on a second watch, I was like, mm. I'm not happy with that. And we want Maeve to live, like definitely want Maeve to survive in any way, shape or form because, <clears throat> you know... As, not always. Well, well, she's such a great character. It's an amazing progression. Um, and she does things the way that I believe they should be done. Mm. Um, <laughs> so for me, I really want her to survive. And, and especially after the reveal later on of the cradle and being destroyed and everything. Oh, hello there. This is the advert section of this podcast. Um, straight off the bat, Thanks to Zimbio, we are officially one of the top 20 sci-fi and fantasy. Fantasy is in, you know, fantasy, not, you know, not sexual. Oh. Well, yeah, maybe that's another list. But we are one of the top 20 in the world. Officially better than Neil deGrasse Tyson's podcast, which still blows my mind today. Um This is, of course, the hosts of Westworld. If you are enjoying, please share, like, and subscribe. If you visit our website, our website being Fan Critical, which is our parent podcast, do please click the huge subscribe buttons on our website. (laughs) You can also find uh, the hosts of Westworld and our parent podcast, Fan Critical, on all the major podcasting apps, including iTunes and Spotify. We have just finished our Deadpool 2 podcast. Uh, If you have seen it and you want to know our thoughts, mine and Len, really, it was a bit of a duo podcast, wasn't it? Yeah, bit of a bromance. Bromance. Um, Then, yeah, please do listen to that. That is on our parent podcast, Fan Critical. Uh, We are also going to be covering Solo. Uh, When's that out, Len? That will be out by the end of this week, John, probably Thursday or Friday. Exciting stuff. Other than that, that's enough plugging. Now back to the pod. We're now going to move on to Dolores and the attack on the Mesa. That train wasn't an accident. Uh, Obviously, um, Stubbs is not the brightest spark in the world. Bless him. Uh, Coughlin and Engels look on. Uh, I just wrote wankers. (laughs) You establish a perimeter around the floor. Someone's got to protect our crown jewel here. Fuck off, mate. This is where the bad writing really starts kicking in. Engels, we've turned on the little lights on your vest there, (laughs) so we have. (laughs) What was that? (coughs) The fuck was that? It's like immersive VR. Oh, what, the lights? I quite like the... Stupid. I'm liking the... um, Futuristic tech that these guys have. They it's should just be wiping. lazy, though, isn't it? I liked yeah, but, it. It's but, like Sting lighting up in Lord of the Rings no, but, and goblins in here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of. Um, no, I, I genuinely like the sort of uh, host 
uh, detecting armor because yeah. obviously they get a sensor whenever they're on a side of them, Makes and that's sense. a really really good tactical advantage. But you to want have. like a big laser gun. You don't want like a vest that lights no, I like up. It. No, I like the subtle things. Like that. Cool. I actually really enjoyed it. Oh, I... I'll wear a vest that blows up when someone pulls the fuck. Oh, well, we'll go on to that's that anyway. Dumb. But silly. It's a it's a silly vest, and it's got the little lights on. It. <laughs> um. So uh, they pour Marines from Aliens, mm. uh, which is a brilliant movie, mm. uh, by getting very cocky and then totally wiped out. Yep. Face palm. Classic. Uh, Engels. Humans. Yeah, well, yeah. Engels isn't killed. Uh, so double face palm. Yeah. Now, uh, this is going to be one of many annoyances with Tessa Thompson in this episode. So she has no reaction whatsoever to the multiple deaths. Ah, uh, whatever. It's just, uh, it just cut into Abernathy's head again. Jesus, man! And then he just like it just sticks that knife into the back, <laughs> and you see Abernathy do like a. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I feel so sorry. He's for having this a guy. bad time, isn't he? Yeah. Why is this uh, extraction taking so long? Well, it is at fourteen percent. Chill, yeah. Wait, what the fuck is that? So, so that's Coughlin reacting to uh, to Dolores and the old Death Squad. Uh, just walking straight into the building. You wouldn't say anything, would you? You'd just be like, right. Lads on me. Let's, let's go, go over there. Yeah. Right. Where's the, have we got any more of the, the lighty vests? <laughs> um, just stupid, man. But that's literally how he says it as well. He literally says it with that enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hale, again, Tessa Thompson, really weird acting. No facial reactions throughout most of this episode. Right, but- but I don't even think it's that. I think it's such just... It feels like she can't be bothered in this episode. I I don't know what it is. And I like Tess Thompson, but she's poor, really poor. Uh, thank fuck for her that she's working alongside Engels and Coughlin. Yeah. Because they sort of take it away from her a little and bit. And Stubbs, to be fair. And Stubbs, yeah. 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 What's wrong with all of them? Yeah. <laughs> it's above your pay grade. Reaches for gun... I'm putting in for a raise. <laughs> Great line. line. Really good no, line. Good line for Stubbs yeah. there. Dolores and Deddy arrive. Uh, do you want to talk about how hot Teddy Deddy looks in his uh, yeah his new uniform? Teddy as a bad boy is really working, <laughs> I yeah. think. In the black. He really brings out his cheekbones. Mm-hmm. And his it haircut. so does. It's it looks so great. Does. I love eyes. Yeah, and I mean... Mm. I know, uh, Gaz, you, you, we've had a chat about this, or you want to chat about it. Let's, just, eyes. let's talk about the Fancy and Teddy, yeah. Um, yeah. No, um, let's talk about how everyone's had a nice costume change here. <laughs> I mean, it, to be fair, to be fair, it happened last episode as well, when um, Sizemore <laughs> left, left Japan dressed as a, a Japanese tourist and then turned up in Westworld as a cowboy as the milky bar kid (laughs) (laughs) yeah when in these situations of absolute mortal peril they're going oh just quickly can i just put on something that makes me look a little bit thinner yeah i mean there's no more better example than this than of um angela's character Uh, if you compare her hair from last week's episode to hair this episode i'm Mm. like jesus man she's looking absolute worldy in this episode yeah great blowjob then did you mean blow dry? <laughs> no, blow dry. Dry. <laughs> Speechless. Like great blow dry, though. I know. I, I, I genuinely yeah. feel like I'd miss something in the episode. Then I was like, I'm oh, fucking out. And I still mean... gave it a five out of five. Do you mean dry? Um, oh, she's obviously had a blowjob. Tony and Guy must fucking feel really weirded out when you arrive. Uh, so Hale then says, Dolores, 
What you and your friends have achieved here is a technological breakthrough. I can't believe she's thinking. Is this she having work. a laugh? Is, does she does she think this is going to work? Maybe? Yeah. Uh, Writing again. Patronising. So stupid, man. Um, size more esque. Yeah. Uh, the look Dolores gives Hale um, is basically my face every time Coughlin's on screen. It's just death. <laughs> just like if you could kill with a stare. I want the key in my dad's head. You don't even know what to do with it. Oh, I know, boy. Oh, I know. she knows. Oh, I know, knows. boy. Um, lots of cool shooty, shooty gun gun. Um, Engels manages somehow to survive again. Uh, Clementine is killed. But is she, though? That was horrific. That's pretty cheesy, I thought, that bit. I thought it was horrific. It was like watching a, some kind of undead vampire bride zombie be like, gunned down by the worst shoes in the world. It was like by a- okay. by No, I think Clementine's a goner. I think there's perma-dead. Perma-dead, yeah. um, she's gone. And it's a, it's a shame, but to be fair, she had no dialogue this season. She was just cool zombie bride witch yeah. thing that Emma just said, so go with that. She's She's got to be gone. You don't, you don't sort of almost slow-mo and close up somebody being shot like that and then slumping against the glass window unless they're definitely dead. Yeah. Yeah. That's the rule. Fair enough. That is the rule. Angela is also in a bad way. Now, the episode does go back to uh, to Hale and, and Dolores at this point. I'm not going to. I'm going to stay with Angela because um, Engels follows her. Uh, and this next bit... Uh, is probably the most insulted I've ever felt for men on this show. Mm. So we're supposed to believe that Engels ends up abandoning all of his military training oh and instinct oh my God. because the pleasure bot was able to give him an erection. I am it is pleasure bot. utterly <laughs> ridiculous. So literally, I wrote this, uh, so Stubbs is dead now as well because he tried fucking one of the toasters. Like, <laughs> it's like, how... How like one minded are they writing the the human men in this in this well, show? It's ridiculous. Classic men. C- coming back to what I was saying at the start of the episode, I still gave the episode a five because I love the episode. But but men the are men stupid. the men characters, the human characters in this show, bar Ford and Mib, and Mib is questionable, and Ford is no longer human. Um, so basically, the human characters are all a joke, mate. Mm. Like. I do not believe the most powerful organisation we're led to believe in the world, which could literally hire a team of super Navy SEALs assassins guys, gets Engels and fucking Coughlin involved at this stage. <laughs> Come on, man. I mean, what was he thinking? Yeah. And and look, I love the line from Angela here. Love it. Yeah. Welcome to Westworld. Fucking love that. Boom. I just wish we could have got to it with her, with a bit of agency that isn't sexual. And I yeah. understand what they're going for, as in that was her cornerstone. That is her whole role in this park, was to play this sexy welcome party girl. But I, it just didn't work for me. This was, this was lazy writing. Lazy, lazy, very lazy. very cliched, I thought. Mm. I've seen, you've seen that in many a film. Yeah, oh, I was going to say the same thing, Lucy. They're 90s budget action movies like Coughlin and Engels, that they've just been taken straight out of that. Yeah, it was awful. That a guy, as you say, that is like a super army soldier would actually fall for that. <laughs> oh, God. Just because she's like fairly attractive. It's like, oh, yeah, maybe we'll just go and bang for a bit. Like, no. Well, You're on, on duty. One, he's not SAS. He's not a super army soldier. Yeah. That's only Ross Kemp. Two, <laughs> she's not fairly attractive. Yes, I know. She's very attractive. But there, yes. she's looking a bit battered and bruised. She's looking unbelievable. How is she looking so good in that situation? Well, yeah. Uh, I, I makeup was a bit smudged, I thought. But... 
Can't all be perfect. Yeah, didn't notice that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Dolores says to Hale, uh, only we're so much more than you, and now it's you who wants to become like us. Uh, which is bitchy, but also true. And then Hale says, ha, 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 we've got your backups. It's basically verbatim. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, well, we didn't want him anyway, so... Joke's on you. Yeah. Right, Daddy, I'm going to cut Hale's head open. And then out of nowhere, and maybe you want to discuss the timing of this, mm, right, uh, Abernathy goes, uh, Dolores, is that you, baby? So what's going on there, Len? Talk to me. So... Is my, it my lazy suspen- yes, My suspension of disbelief <laughs> yes. is slowly slipping away from me with this show sometimes. Now, In a show of robots. In it, look, look, I gave the episode <laughs> no, a five out of five, and I love I'm it. I'm just saying. There's a couple of points in this episode, and you literally are just hovering around. We're hovering around these bad points, like vultures at the moment. Um, <laughs> it's just lazy because it's it's so convenient to get hail out of this situation. I mean, I just wish it was written better. Like, mm. don't put her in a situation where Dolores is about to cut her head open. Give her a better out than this. Then you don't have to make Abernathy suddenly have a moment of clarity. And when Stubbs he's been... just pushes the man over yeah, and then I they mean... just run out. It's just like, I'll just rugby tackle you a bit, like Boris Johnson, and yeah. then I'll just get out of the room. Push what, the brother out of the way, yeah. What, what I do like about this scene is Dolores. Everything that Dolores does in this scene is excellent. Mm. Um, menacing, but not the like maniac that we've seen her be in previous episodes. Mm. She had a sort of in plan, control. and then she yeah, she was in control of her rage, like a good Sith would be. Yeah. Um, but you know, and and <laughs> and and Charlotte Hale here. I know we've criticised her acting when she was slid against the wall and a tear was running down her eye, and she was basically pissing herself. That's good acting. Yeah, I think Gaz brought this up um, a few episodes back that it kind of wasn't really bought into Dolores and. I think I echoed some of that in that I wasn't as excited by her as I was by Maeve and, mm. and MIB. Maybe. Maybe. Um, but Len, you're totally right. In this scene, she is spectacular. Um, yeah, she's good. She is, I think that this scene, her part in this scene is one of the best scenes that she's had yeah. as a character this yeah, season. Definitely. Mm. I, I think it was absolutely fantastic. Um, so there's a, there's a bang outside. Uh, Teddy goes to investigate and uh, gets rugby tackled by Coughlin. Yeah. So I'm buzzing at this point because I'm like, you know, Teddy or Deddy uh, in his cool new clothes um, is definitely going to kill him. The way he decides to do it, I reckon he saw the dialogue for yeah. Coughlin yeah. in next week's episode <laughs> and thought, I've had enough of this. Mm. Uh, so he just beats him to death yeah, with his bare hands, um, which was just, uh, I loved it. Um, I actually breathed like a sigh of relief when it happened. It was brutal and, and it brilliant. It was just, it was great. It was like he was us as the viewers, and he channeled our rage. <laughs> yeah. I could, I kept seeing flashes of John's face when it cut, <laughs> cut into Teddy. I was like, Jesus, man. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so uh, Dolores and Abernathy um, have a very, very touching moment. You know, the music hits, it's like violins or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, Ram and Dwadi again doing standard. some good stuff. It's obviously going to be violins, like drum and bass, you kill the mood. Um, but, you know, you kind of, you feel like this journey and you kind of feel like Abernathy's at an end. And uh, <laughs> so that's my impression of, uh, of a sword. Yeah. Um, uh, so Dolores then rides off uh, with the key covered 
in bits of her dad's head. Skull and brains. Um, so that sort of killed that moment for me a little bit. But um, Gaz, I'm, I'm going to uh, throw it over you to, uh, to discuss. But what would you think of that scene? It's so harsh, um, powering up the saw while he's still alive. Like, shoot him in the head or something. I, I know that you've got to protect this little brain <laughs> bit. But, but find a way, find, yeah, find a way of debilitating him first rather than going, all right, I'm really sorry, I'm just going to cut your head open now while, while you're looking at it. And there's a massive plot hole here, which is I'm going to attribute to the writing again. Um, <laughs> and I'm sorry to keep having a go at the writing, but Charlotte Hale, during this whole situation, is like, they bolted Abernathy down last episode. Why? When they could just cut it out. If it's just as easy as taking it out of his head, why are they bothering to keep him alive? It doesn't matter. Mm. Just cut it out and get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Like, why have they... It doesn't make any sense. Can someone please tell me how it makes sense? Because right, it doesn't. Stalin, fucking hell. Like, <laughs> I'll just cut his head off. Fucking hell. You know what I mean. No, crucify him first. Yeah, good point. Yeah, it's mental. Right, guys, we're going to move on to Bernard. Bernard. Yeah, Bernard. And, uh, and Ford. Uh, I'm going to refrain from doing any impressions of Ford because he's brilliant and I'm awful. Mm. Uh, Don't risk it. Oh, that's not stopped you before. Anyway, so uh, to see the world in a grain of sand, uh, heaven in a wild flower, hold infinity in the palm of your hand and eternity in an hour. What a beginning that is. Yeah, I mean, we you know we have a go at the monologues and... Um stuff in the show but when anthony hopkins does it more please because he just the way he delivers these lines is excellent yeah so a little poem by yes. william blake have the writers just googled that poem and gone stick that in that'd be good yes <laughs> <laughs> uh google poems and grain <laughs> why the word grain there's only a couple here we'll just go with that and then bernard says uh, stop all that nonsense how the fuck are you alive uh and ford goes Daddy Delos, in it? He'd prefer death over a bad business investment. Uh, and I wrote, preach! Because uh, I'm you know, a businessman and that. Um, don't you understand what this place is, Bernard? The Matrix? No. <laughs> no, it's not The Matrix. I mean, if Keanu Reeves turns up in this, I'm out. He'd fit right in. Whoa. Um, <laughs> the park is an experiment. A testing chamber, if you will. The guests are the variables and the hosts are the controls. <laughs> Sound like I put a question mark at the end, but yeah, it works. Uh, so that Delos can understand them. So that Delos can copy them. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. Theory confirmed. Theory tick. Sick. Humans are playing at resurrection. They want to live forever. We never had free will. You made Dolores kill you. Interesting. You're responsible for all this misery. And now you're hiding here. They learn to copy a mind like a soft-headed boy humming a tune someone else composed. I love that line. That's Creepy a great image, um, like a soft-headed boy. <laughs> so you're like a soft-boiled egg. Ed Sheeran. Um, <laughs> but it makes me not want to hum along to songs anymore, I've got to say. And at some point in this, I was like, oh, that was me. I'm the soft-headed boy. <laughs> um, my mind works here, but not in the real world. The hosts are all headed to the valley beyond. What's there? Oh, don't you know? Um, so before we go into the next scene, Emma, what do you think of uh, of that? The beginning scenes and Ford's kind of very uh, to the point explanations. I fucking love this. I mean, this is some of my favourite scenes between Bernard and Ford. Um, 
I still have questions, but a lot of it's, you know, as I said, theory tick on that kind of we're using human data and yeah. I still really don't understand what is in the Valley Beyond though. Mm. And that I like the fact that I've still got a question. <clears throat> um, Anthony Hopkins was just superb. Great, isn't he? Absolutely, he's fantastic. Um, and I and I th- I thought this was a really great way to bring him back in. They haven't dilly dallied and waited like three episodes to acknowledge the fact that he is sort of alive. Yeah. Um, and then it, he's in his fucking head and his reflection and all sorts. Yeah. Well, all right. We'll he's get all up in Bernard. Well, uh, we've not even got onto that yet. Well. Hell, do you want to talk about next week's episode? Yeah, Jesus and then Christ. next week everyone dies. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I like the fact that I've still got a question about the Valley Beyond. I think um, we've given, uh, we've been given a lot of answers this episode. Yeah. And yet there's still stuff to come. Well, look, they, they need, I really enjoyed. Yeah, they need to leave us uh, leave us with some uh, things to be surprised about, no? Yeah, and I've got some good theories in Theory Corner about the Valley Beyond. Anthony Hopkins, excellent. And the confirmation of the Delos copying humans is a massive, massive reveal. This whole park, everything about it, is all so that Delos Corporation can copy people of power because they're the only people that can afford to go to the park. Yeah. Costs $40,000 per day to go to the park. Mm. Um, so only the very rich and powerful go there and they want to replant these copied fidelity matched people mm. into society. Massive, massive reveal. And it and it leads to so many questions of, you know, is there anyone already out there? Are there, you know, it just leaves so many exciting possibilities for the show to explore now. Yeah. Do you think there's also a possibility they're doing it so that they can go, oh, you're about to die, but I can replace you with a robot where your consciousness will live forever if you give me all your zillions of dollars? Yeah, very yeah. possible as well. Yeah. It's a very strong business investment. Yeah. But, you know, how much power could they could they, could they they get if they were to, say, take political leadership roles in society? I also thought something else interesting in this scene is that there are, like, uncorrupted versions of Maeve and Clementine and everybody. So... um it's almost like they are backed up. They do exist. They do still exist elsewhere um, in their original format. They did. Well, now they don't. It's, <clears throat> it's important to note that the cradle essentially keeps the exact loop or basic narrative of every single host so that when they do die, that's why Dolores and Maeve woke up every day yep. living the same loop because they are the controls and the, ho- and the, and the guests are the variables We're trying to figure out what changes in them every time they slightly tweak the narratives. Yeah. Um, did anyone notice? Uh, so Jock. Yeah. Jock uh, who's uh, quickly becoming a fan favourite. Yeah, I love him. Jock the dog. Um, every time, so there's now a theory. I'm sure you're not going to talk about it. No. Um, there's now a theory that Arnold's consciousness is in the dog. Right, okay. There's a reason I'm not mentioning that one, John. <laughs> what? <laughs> that is mental. No, every time... Arnold's name is mentioned. Yeah. The dog's tongue and ears go up. <laughs> right, that's it. His tongue goes up. <laughs> Do you, have you ever met a dog? Goes up. I've never met a dog. <laughs> that's obviously a, it's obviously a joke. I just wanted to test um, your fidelity, guys. Mm. Yeah. Tongue goes up. Tongue goes up, listeners go down. <laughs> so next scene, we're at Arnold's gaff. We've mm. seen this place before, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Looks nice. Would he be happy with a dog running straight in? <laughs> Now well, it's him, so it's fine. Well, I mean, obviously, because of that. Well, that is part of the the theory that I've just made up in this podcast. Is that the reason he runs in is he loves that house because it's his house. <laughs> oh, um, it's just annoying, isn't it? Like very rude dog. 
But then when they're in the house, very obedient. Well, maybe Jock and Arnold were, you know, firm friends. Jock Arnold, this is where we made you. We? Well, Dolores, obviously. Oh, shit! And then my next line is, infidelity? Because it's like cheating, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah? Well, it is, isn't it? Nice. Thanks. Jock agrees. (laughs) (laughs) Tongue up. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They want fidelity, Bernard. A faithful self-portrait of the most murderous species since time began. Great line. I know, right? So good. I was just thinking, anyone else waiting for um, Ford and Coughlin to have lines together? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Lakey Doug there. But you and all the other hosts are something very different. An original work, more just, more noble. But your very nature, Bernard, ensures they will devour you, and all the beauty of who you are, of who you could be, will be poured out into the darkness forever. Unless we open the door. The dog's oh. ears went up. And... <laughs> I'm just going to take this free wheel off you. Uh, that was like a really scary way of doing it as well. Yeah, Didn't he like just reach shut, for yeah. the... the black? The shutters yeah. like came down and it was very well sort of, I don't know, lit. And it was it was beautiful <laughs> it was and lit, scary. Man. It was um, thick and lit. I think this is a very interesting point about Ford taking the free will because it plays into this fact that I still believe that Ford is has good motivations, but some of his methodology mm. is similar to what we questioned Dolores about, and yeah. it's about taking uh, these hosts' free will away. He believes in himself. <laughs> free will Yeah. He <laughs> believes in himself so much that he thinks his way is the only way, yeah. um, which, and he might be right. You know, by the end of the season, he might be right. But I, I just get the sense they're going to hopefully play with something here and, and maybe show Ford even though he's like five steps ahead of literally everyone else all the time, mm. even in death, um, <laughs> it'll be good to see if they can like, you know, really turn that around and make his decision to take Bernard's free will work against him in some way, shape or form. Yeah. And I'm hoping that's what they do because it would really pay off quite well. I think there's a pretty telling line. Um, I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's along the lines of like, God didn't rest on his laurels. He indulged in his reveries. and But it just it's just a bit of a sign of how much Ford thinks of himself in this world like he <laughs> oh he has a god complex for sure yeah he does he has a god complex and it's that's a pretty major cornerstone of his Ooh. so we're back in the real world or are we who knows at this point so Elsie catches uh, a falling Bernard you're right there mate you okay buddy yeah you got a bit of disgusting blood running down your head wipe that off like <laughs> where's she got that hanky from do you want your crappy little helmet so you can keep on being... Bernito. Bernito. No, you're not going to say anything. What's wrong with you? What have you seen in there? How long have you been in the poorhouse? Send her on her way, Bernard. Oh, my goodness! Ford lives in the window now! That was mad, wasn't it? Not much to be said about the next scene, uh, but it's just perfect. Right? It's just so good. Uh, one, we've got uh, Beethoven, uh, sympathy number, uh, number seven. Uh, in season one, Ford said Beethoven became his music. Yeah, boy. Uh, yeah, boy. That's the theory confirmed we got last week, the, yep. the Ford becoming the music theory. Ford yep. is Beethoven, turns out. Oh, Fact, geez. that is what they're saying. And uh, Arnold is the dog. Ben Arnold. Uh, epic choice of music. Wonderful. When the great library burned, the first 10,000 years of stories were reduced to ash. But those stories never really perished. They became a new story. 
the story of the fire itself. A man's urge to take a thing of beauty and strike the match. Slow motion chaos. It's just perfection. I loved yeah, it. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. A bit weird for an episode seven. I mean, like Gaz said earlier in the episode, it feels like a penultimate episode or like, you know, it feels like we're so close to the end. However, there's still obviously quite a lot more to tell. Yeah. Um, there's going to be a lot more surprises, judging by the fact so much was revealed in this episode, you know? Mm. If we shut down what's left of the system, Dolores will have free reign. She'll murder them all. <laughs> yes. Um, very obvious. Very obvious evil character, wasn't he? Um, the passage from one world to the next requires bold steps, Bernard. Uh, and then Bernard encounters uh, a hilarious extra. <laughs> I loved him. Um, so Bernard says, I work here. <laughs> and uh, this extra goes, I don't care if you're employee of the fucking month. Get your goddamn hands up, dipshit. Um, which was great. I loved it. Does he actually say dipshit? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Bernard is reluctant to engage. Uh, and Ford says, I know you have a delicate constitution, Bernard. So I got you, bro. Uh, and that is verbatim. Uh, and the extra gets blazed. Now, I mean, I wrote these notes very late last night. I don't know why I've written blazed, but he does get blazed. Um, and the shot of Bernard high. and then... Cut into Anthony Hopkins holding know, this right? machine gun, yeah. blowing away. Excellent. Oh. I never thought I'd see. Oh, uh, oh, uh, blow. Uh, I never thought I'd see uh, such a thing. Anthony I know. Hopkins. Well, I certainly didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So Ford lives on. Ford is alive. Uh, and we guess <laughs> at this point. He's Sounds on, like a press conference yeah. for a, an automotive company. Yeah. He's, he's on borrowed time, right? Yeah. So we know from his earlier conversation uh, that the that his consciousness cannot survive for more than a matter of days, similar to Dad, uh, Delos Senior. Yeah. Uh, when it's actually in the outside world in a host's mind, so um, he he's on borrowed time here. I like to think this is like a farewell tour for Ford, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Um, you get your tickets now. Uh, yeah. Valley Beyond is where it's all kicking off. So <laughs> you get your tickets there. But no, I'm three weeks from now, nine pm GMT. Yeah. Then do you reckon that is necessarily the case when he's like sharing a brain though? Yeah, I think. Do I you think. Know what I mean, yeah, I think they wouldn't have shown us Delos Senior earlier in the season, and also had the explicit line in this uh, in the cradle dialogue with Bernard. I just think that he's on borrowed time. Now, whether he can transfer his consciousness back to some sort of backup cradle that he's secretly got, because he probably has got some sort of out here. Mm. But it's, it's just interesting that he's now in Bernard's head. Um, and the scenes with two of them together is just, it's just so good. He's just marauding like through the halls, killing people, making him do things that he doesn't want to do. Really playing into that Dolores uh, Dolores similarity which is also you know maybe Dolores isn't, hasn't got all the free will she thinks she has all of that sort of chat again <clears throat> doing very similar things to Ford here so very interesting and so excited to see what else they get up to <clears throat> the adventures of Ford and Bernard or as John calls them Arford Fornard's better Fernard. Burford 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 <laughs> Burford so we then jump back to the present day where the episode started and Hale says I know it's confusing. Yes. Where where do we need to go? Bernard gives the location up like a good robot. We're going for a ride, Bernard. 
back to the valley beyond. I have um, something to ruminate on. Oh, yep. Ford has obviously seemed quite cruel and he has taken full control of Bernard throughout Bernard's, I don't know if it's a short life, but lifespan. <laughs> why does he say, why does he try and alleviate his guilt by saying, it's not your fault? I know you have a bad constitution or weak constitution. Why does he bother to do that if he doesn't care about him in some way? I don't think he's trying to alleviate any guilt. I think he's just trying to take over. Like He's just saying, all right, listen, I'm going to take over. And it's maybe a line for us as the viewers that we fully understand that Ford's taking over rather than rather than just going, oh, I don't want you to feel bad. Mm. Mm. I've so got... he's a full-on dickhead then. Right. Ooh, um, I've got something to add. Uh, I've got something to add, uh, which I'm not going to put in theory corner, but I'm going to add here. And oh yeah, it's the fact that extra theories. Bernard tells, or Bernito, or Bernarde tells Bernard. tells Hale uh, the location they're going to is sector um, sector sixteen, grid four, or whatever. Yeah. Right now, I've done some research. <laughs> of course um, you have. It doesn't exist. Looked in the Bible, didn't I? <gasps> Proverbs sixteen four. Valley Beyond. There's no so, way that you did that. You no, you didn't. Just, no, Reddit I, told you no, to do it. Did, did it. Did it myself. So the Valley Beyond, we believe that Sector 16.4 is the Valley Beyond. And the quote <clears> from <throat> the Bible, Proverbs 16, colon 4, yeah. Yeah, is this. Colon. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. Mm. Oh. Now, how telling is that as a little line? Cannot be an accident, guys. Cannot be an accident. I think Ford's grand finale is going to be very, very special. I love that there are that there are Easter eggs in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. We are now going to go on to Len, and his crazy but somewhat accurate and in some way spoilery but totally worth listening to Reddit theories. Welcome to another edition of Theory Corner. Uh, sad news today this week, guys. Um, <laughs> couple of theories. Um, dead. Tragically dead. In the water like the hosts. Um, so as we get closer towards the end of the season, it's obvious that some of the crazy theories that we've been putting out there and reading off Reddit and Facebook are going to be proven to be wrong. And some right now just look a bit silly. So um, I'm going to run down the ones that we lost sadly this week. I think we have to put to bed the Bernard Loop theory. I think we have no! to agree that Good. the reveal of them finding all the Bernards seemed quite genuine and it just wouldn't really make sense now. Mm. Um, so the idea that was the idea that Bernard was being put through a loop constantly by the Delos organisation to try and determine what happened. Mm. I mean, there's still a slight possibility, but I'd like to say I think this one's gone, guys. <laughs> Yeah, my my favourite part of this theory is it hinged on the piss poor acting of most of the people in that scene. And I think we've realised it's just <laughs> bad acting. Um, uh, um, good night, sweet prince. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think we also have to say goodbye to the B equals T theory, which is the Bernard <laughs> is Teddy theory. Um, that one was always nonsense. There's there's a very small chance, again, that it's possible, but I just can't I see it, it after now. the reveals in this episode. It just doesn't make any sense. That was the theory that the Bernard that woke up on the beach had um, Teddy's consciousness or host mind within him. <laughs> um, there were some signs early on that that was the case. Mm. Looks like we were just looking into it a bit much, guys. But uh, yeah, so sorry to B equals T respect for being out there but just didn't respect to BT does that also mean that we now have to say an actual like premature RIP to Teddy well because he's definitely dead Teddy could be definitely dead he's not dead oh Teddy's dead he's not dead no no no. we'll come on to the hosts in a bit uh, for an interesting uh, theory now let's move on to um, something that we said from the very start of the season and it annoys John to hell but I call it the Man in Black is a host theory. Now, it's not the most imaginative title. <laughs> no. That is what he is. So we're going to run down all of the evidence. We've cited several pieces of evidence as the season has gone on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just a good point now after this dramatic event to this episode to say why we think he might be a host in this season. Not to say the one in season one wasn't a, a, a host. You know, he could have been human, that one. So the, the most popular theory of the man in black being a host is the is the fact of this, that the one who wakes up um, after the party massacre has been replaced by Ford <laughs> or someone else. And he is actually a host. And the real man in black was killed at the party. Mm. Several telling signs here were the fact that he was shot with a sling on his arm after the tragic events that happened to him when Dolores kicked his ass at the end of uh, season uh, one. <laughs> kicked his ass. Yeah, very English. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he woke up without a sling. So it was like, what? That's a bit weird. Your arm's fine now, is it? Mm. He's taken several bullet wounds at this point. I mean, he took like two in the season premiere uh, and he fixed himself up with the same sort of uh, mechanical health first aid kit that the hosts use. Yeah, call it the hosty laser fixy pen. The, yeah, the hosty lazy fixer pen. Love that pen. Um, there's also the other signs of uh, the flashbacks he had of uh, his wife, <laughs> what we believe to be his wife committing suicide. Yeah. Um, we know for a fact from season one that he actually said his wife committed suicide by overdosing, not slitting her wrists. The imagery that we briefly saw in episode four of this season uh, indicated slit wrists in the bath. This could also be his daughter that maybe committed suicide as well. Um, or as even chat of it being him. Uh, that is, you know. So there's a lot of interesting imagery here that doesn't match up to what was said in season one. Then we can move on to the conversation that him and Emily had last week where he was being tested for fidelity and he failed fidelity tests. Some say that this could just be that he's <coughs> suffering from early onset Alzheimer's potentially because he's very old. I'm serious. <laughs> People are saying that sort of stuff. Ed Harris. Or that he was being tested for fidelity by Emily who potentially could be human or a host who knows or by Ford to God. see how it's working. And then we move on <laughs> swiftly to this episode where he successfully takes four bullet shots uh, uh, one to each limb pretty much and then uh, one to the chest and is still living Mm. we know that the hosts can survive severe trauma Um, Ford (laughs) literally brought brought Teddy back from the dead when they were sitting in the bar scene back in season one when he was all shot up and stuff Mm. you can lower their pain receptors you can also um, set it so that they come back like Dolores made those hosts come back from the dead the Confederados who we haven't mentioned for a while Um, so we know it's very possible to do that and as we said Ford doesn't want Mib to die just yet I mean this was probably outside of Ford's control this whole scenario it looks that way anyway Um, but we know that he has a plan for him 
Let's also now refer to the story. There's a long one, this, so yeah, keep telling me. Yeah. But let's also refer. Like I'm a host at this point. Yeah. Mm. Let's refer I think to. I've had a fucking aneurysm yeah. at this point. <laughs> well, let's refer to the dialogue, finally, that Ford says in this episode and has specifically said to the man in black throughout this season when he talks through little weird children and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. We know about the little Very children. Very into children. Yeah. Um, he said several, several telling things. Um, you still don't understand the real game we're playing here. If you're looking forward, you are looking in the wrong direction. Okay? So mm. that's implying that what if the game that William is playing must ultimately lead him to the truth and acceptance that he's not actually human. Yep. Okay? There's also the lines that uh, Ford says to uh, Bernard in the cradle this episode, which Bernard. is they need to find the door. And the door is specifically mentioned in terms of hosts. And it's what the hosts need to escape the park, we believe. Mm. So if that's the case, and the game is for William this time, like the maze was not because the maze was for the hosts, then it only implies that this this game ends with the man in black discovering he's a host or accepting that he's a host or transferring his consciousness into a host body there are very many outs here because the show has left itself way open but yeah. basically it would be mind-blowing if the mib the man in black ed harris the main man is not a host at this point guys john do you accept it now do you accept it my friend well that he's a host yes no you do i don't, I don't want it to be true so i refuse to listen to anything you've just said the evidence is pretty compelling are we talking about OJ Simpson here or <laughs> because I still also think he... <laughs> um no look like is it is it too obvious at this point Well yes but but I, but not, I, but I feel like sense. but for him to take all those shots yes I'd much prefer him to fix himself up with that magic pen you're on about Yeah, yeah. the magic pen oh, I magic know magic pen <clears throat> Or just with, a die. I'm That'd a bit be, with John I, on this point. I think it is too obvious to be true. And I refuse to admit that um, Mib might be a host. So that's our compelling evidence for the man in black as a host. Now, obviously... Well, let's take a vote. Okay, let's take a vote. John, do you think uh, the man in black is a host? No. Emma, And even you... if I did, I'd say no. Emma? No. Lucy? Based on the evidence, yeah, he must be. I think he's a host, and our little buddy Gaz says... He's definitely a host. Now we're going to move on to the theories on the valley beyond, the valley beyond, la 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 la. Okay, so um, what is the valley beyond, guys? What is the valley beyond? We know that Ford has orchestrated his game to lead to the grand finale, which is the valley beyond. But what could be there that is so essential to the host's survival? Okay? Mm. Before Um, you start, you know what I'd really like? If it was just like, just a door... It's just a door that's on the edge of the park. If it's another out. door and it's the end of the it's like, series. Oh, it's like the Truman Show. He just walks yeah. out. Yeah, and um, Harris is in that as well. Oh, intertextuality. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Um, so here's a theory that's been floating around on Reddit. Um, and it's basically that the, there are human bodies in the Valley Beyond, or at least the very least host bodies that resemble guests and are untraceable. <laughs> what wow. What if the hosts will implant themsel- themselves... <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? I knew that was going to happen. What if the hosts implant themselves in those bodies and made their way into the real world? That would explain why so many host bodies were found face down in the lake. Those are the old vessels which have been abandoned uh, for newer, untraceable ones. 
They now look like real life, powerful people, which makes them even harder to trace. Yeah. So this backs the theory. This is, comes off the back of the theory that Delos has actually been creating these these mock people up uh, as hosts, <laughs> and he stored and Ford has been storing them in the valley beyond, and the hosts will uh, put their brains in them and escape to the real world like nothing ever happened, and no mm. one will ever know. Easy as that. Um, <clears throat> thoughts. Love it. Okay. Do you, want me, do you want me to give you a problem with this theory? No. No. The, no. the problem would be that obviously you would have to recast everybody. Other people have been saying there is a way around this. And it really? is the fact that, we and we've even referenced it before in this podcast, that all of the hosts within the park are actually based off of real people. And that these real people um, were extremely rich and powerful people that had their likenesses created no, um, so they could re-enter that. society. Go on. There's a hole in that. There are two holes in that. Oh, yeah. Um, How much do you have to pay for that? One, either they're taking DNA and replicating people without them knowing, therefore... They are doing that. Yeah, therefore, how could you create a replica of them in the park what? and then not notice? Yes, but these are people that are already dead. Mm. This was years ago. So, guys, I need you to know, if you think that we know the hosts are dead in the water, they were dead in the water, those hosts, but we know that their minds... Literally. Yeah, yeah. we know their minds are virgin minds, as described by... <laughs> by the Delos people. So we know that they've obviously swapped their brains out at some point. Obviously, they must have put their brains into new host bodies. So it is completely feasible that in the Valley Beyond, the only out that they've got in this park is to introduce themselves into society successfully and live amongst the humans. Gareth, do you like that theory? I I don't see any reason why that couldn't be the case. But I guess it's a prediction based on the theory that what is in the Valley Beyond is... Yeah. Unfortunately, as we become as we get closer to the end of the season, um, there aren't many theories left now, guys. I mean, I mean, there's so many answers coming left, right, and centre. Most of the time now, the theories will be debunked. We'll review those, and any new crazy theories will bring them up. But I think the most interesting takeaway from this episode is hopefully the confirmation of Mib being a host in some capacity, mm. and also the thought process behind the Valor Beyond and what could possibly be there that um, Ford is orchestrating in the in, in you know behind the scenes because this is all his plan. Yeah. Um. So an escape route, a door, a you know metaphorical door is the door. <laughs> so maybe that's what it is. That's their way into society. Mm. And that was Theory Corner, John. All right, cheers, mate. Uh, lots of nonsense theories there. Um, one, like one that could be, and then the other one definitely not. Anyway, so uh, again, I, I still I can't believe that this is a, a feature, but we are now going to move on to uh, we're going to jump to Australia, like this is like Eurovision or whatever, and um, we're going to listen to the. Uh, Gaz and his crappy line of the, week. of the week. Hi, thanks, John. Yes, I'm here in Australia with the worst line of the week. Now, Len mentioned that um, as the season goes on, we might be running out of theories. But the good news for everybody is we are not running out of crap lines. Real. Real. Um, several to choose from today. 
I, I do want to give a special mention to Coughlin, um, but it would be too obvious, wouldn't it? It'd be too obvious. It would, to wouldn't go it? With I his, agree. Um, with his his terrible lines, um, I'm going to go with something a little less predictable. Um, and this is right at the start of the episode. And we did mention that Stubbs was having a bit of a shocker at the start of the episode. Wasn't on his finest form. And um, this was in a fairly intense scene where um, Strand is trying to work out which one of them is the murderer. And um, uh, basically Stubbs is confused because he he thinks that... um, Teresa. Get on with the fucking line. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He thinks uh, he thinks that Teresa just died. But his line is that she died in a slip and fall. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck is a slip and fall? I actually slip looked and fall. it up. The old slip, and, slip fall. and fall. It's not even a slip and fall. It's slip and fall. Slip and fall. Yeah. Slip and fall. Cheers, guys. And that was the worst line of the episode. Guys, that's that's it for another pod. <laughs> Always emotion from uh, from Lucy and Emma, nothing from Gaz, and uh, and Len just passed out. <laughs> yeah. So uh, always alive, um, guys. Uh, and when I say guys, I'm now speaking to you, the listeners. Uh, if you have enjoyed listening, do review, share, and please subscribe. Otherwise, Len will beat me. Uh, to the hosts of Westworld. We are on iTunes, Spotify, and all major podcasting apps. We, of course, do have a parent podcast, which is fan critical. Go wild, people. Okay, one person. Also on the major platforms, we discuss other TV shows like The Walking Dead. Gaz, give us a zombie impression. What? (laughs) (laughs) Very posh zombie. Good. Excuse me. Emma, give us a Game of Thrones impression. Come here, lad. Lucy, give us a Black Mirror impression. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> ah, did that, yeah. And Len, give us a Stranger Things impression. Oh, my cat who's eating jingles. <laughs> so, uh, cheers. That, I mean, that was mental. Uh, we also cover major event movies like Avengers Infinity War. Bring me Thanos! <laughs> that will never go away. No. Uh, we've also just covered Solo. Bring me Chewbacca! <laughs> uh, and we also watched Deadpool 2. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, we loved it. Uh, sorry, Ryan Reynolds. Big listener. Yeah, Guys, in the big leagues now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very good. Um, guys, thanks for joining me. Um, Len... Not a fan of your theories this week, yeah, but yeah, that's fair, John. You know, I, I so really went close. To, I went close to your heart this week. I really thought I'd have to just lay it out there for the listeners. They can decide the truth, um, which we all know <laughs> is that he's a host. Yeah. See you next week. See you later, buddy. Uh, Lucy, thanks very much. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> uh, Emma, see you, see you next week, buddy. I'm afraid of saying anything else. Good night. <laughs> okay. Best you just don't talk. And. Uh, our little zombie in uh, in Australia, Gaz. What? Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cheers. See ya. I've been your host, John. Bye, John. Bye, John. Bye. 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 Bye.